morning, everybody. I'm telling you, we got a talented crew around here, don't we? Man, give, give our team a thanks. I just, I thank you guys. I'm telling you. People are all the time talking about, you know, the church and things like that. And it's like, I, I still feel so good to have absolutely hardly anything to do with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the team is just talented and I'm blessed to be a part of it. So, um, but this morning we're starting our first week in the family game night series. We love playing games. It is good to have all y'all here today. And as we get into this, I love playing games with my family. When Pastor Corey asked that a little bit ago, I'm one of those ones that enjoy family game night. You know, we enjoy it immensely. And, and, and there's something about it that just warms my heart. You know, when we have family game night, just looking around at the interplay of conversation and mutual encouragement. You know, all hoping that each other does well. You know, cheering each other on. It's just, it's so wonderful. You know, if I had a nickel for every time I heard Grant say, You got this, Auburn. Good job. Great play, sis. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, y'all, I'd be broke. Because <laughs> y'all know that ain't how it is. You know that. You know, man, family game night can be tense. It can be crazy as you go after it. You know it. <laughs> and so the thing with that family game night, though, the reason why it gets intense is because we all want to win, don't we? Everyone wants to win at family game night. Truth of the matter is, when it comes to a game, the problem is with it, not everyone can win at a game. You know, daddy can mostly win at a game, you know, but not everybody can win, but, but the truth of the matter is when it comes down to it, the life that we live, y'all, we need to live to win, amen, there, there's one that would love to see us be defeated, there's one that would love to see the legacy of our house be diminished, there's one that would love the adversary that roars like a lion, that would love to come and snatch away and steal away the hopes and the future of your family, there is one that would love to do that, so we've got to live, everybody shout, live to win. Say it like you really want to win. Say, live to win. Say it like a mad dog. No, I'm teasing. No. <laughs> live to win. And I don't know, there's a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? It says, run in such a way as to get the prize. And I like how another translation just says it even simpler, run as to win. And that's the goal, I believe, in life. It's not to win over somebody, but that idea of winning, that idea of what is it going to take to carry into the next generation those qualities and those things, that prize that God has for us. And I, I'm going to be honest, this week I, I've been stirred to preach this sermon this Sunday. I wanted to come in here and be all cute and be all sweet and have a good little fun time, but I've come to preach a word, amen? I'm just, I'm just going to be honest, I, I got a challenge for us as families of God today. Because when it comes to it, when it comes to our families over the next four weeks, legacy. To learn what it takes to win at life and legacy. Everybody say life and say legacy. Can I just say it this way? God only needs one in a family. That's all he needs is just one person. That one person that will be that person that will go forward in their family and connect the next generation to the greater things of God. 
That's all he needs. And I believe that there's a room full of people that you can say, I'll be that one, Pastor. I'll be that one in my family. And you may not be the daddy. You may not be the mommy. You may be one of the young'uns, you know. But when it comes to it, I'll be that one that's going to connect the next generation of my family to the greater things. Shout greater things. The greater things of God. I think we settle too often for the lesser things. I don't know about you. The part of a game that's fun is the winning, the stuff. You know, you play Monopoly. Give me some houses. You know, give me some things. You know, I don't want to go back to jail. You know, been there. Don't want to go. You know, give me this stuff. You love those greater things. And when I think of the greater things of God and why it's so important for us to win at life and legacy, I think of greater things like meaning and purpose. I think of greater things like peace and joy. I think of greater things like power and ability. I think of greater things like purity. Shout purity. Say, I, I just want to hear this spoken in this house. Say holiness. holiness. Man, I thought you all were going like, to have a conniption. When you, that's hard. Uh, holy, holiness. We don't preach about purity and holiness much, but man, I want to connect to the greater things of God, my, my life and my legacy to those greater things of God of purity and righteousness. How about this? Forgiveness and reconciliation. Aren't those greater things that you want your children to be able to walk in? Oh, yeah. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 1. And this passage of Scripture, for some of you, may seem a little bit kind of like, what is he getting at with it? It's just kind of just a list of names. But I want to look at this passage, and then we're going to go to Hebrews. So if you want, just listen to me read Matthew chapter 1. And you don't have to put it on the screen or anything. But turn your Bibles while I'm doing that over to Hebrews. And we're going to get into another list here in a little bit from the book of Hebrews. And so in Matthew chapter 1, it gives this list. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I think that's an important book. You know, I think that's an important list. If it's the genealogy of Jesus... This is an important list. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and there's a res by the Tamar, and Perez and the father of Hezron. And I'm sorry, it sounds, it's just like, I just felt like I should do that today. And Ram, the father of Boaz, by the father of Nishan, and Nishan, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Say Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Things are happening. They're going to Babylon. It's a time of captivity. It's a time of struggle. It's a time of frustration. It's a time where the legacy could have died, right? But guess what? And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shatil, and Shatil the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Elakim, and Elakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Methan, and Methan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Amen? So all the generations from Abraham, say Abraham, 
to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us today to connect with what you desire for us to be able to lead our family to win in life and legacy. I ask for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That's a list and a half, isn't it? But in that list, there's so many things that have happened in those families' lives. And, and, and a few weeks ago, about a week ago, I went to a funeral for Mr. Bill Rainwater. And at the funeral, you know, you have the obituary at funerals. And much like that list, an obituary doesn't say a whole lot about the lives that, and how they had passed on and transferred to their dependents the passion they had for God or the care they had for others or the sense of mission or the sense of purpose. The, 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 the obituary is kind of just just kind of flat. I don't mean only that bad. It's just the begats. It's this person was born here, this person passed away there, and this is who they, 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 they their lineage is, and those have preceded them in death, and etc. You know, it's just kind of flat. And so what I love about a funeral, a memorial service, is that you get beyond that list down into really honoring the person for their legacy, for what they had had done. And 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 Bill Rainwater, he passed away on June three or four times. Um, 73 years old, and I had the honor of being with him a few times, not too many times, I think three or four times, um, as he was dealing and fighting valiantly with the battle with cancer. Um, but with that, as that obituary is read, it doesn't reveal that the, per the things that made the person such an amazing person, that, that, that thing that made the person someone who left something in the lives of others. And the thing about it, just like Mr. Bill, just like he, we also will have a moment in our lives when our families will gather to honor us. And as that family gathered a few days ago, it wasn't just a natural family, as his church family gathered. Oh, y'all, it was rich. It was rich. And he began, they began to talk about the times that he would spend with his family, the times he spent teaching in Sunday school, adult Sunday school, the times, like, they had people come up, the, the young lady came up that was dealing with just young, youthful identity crises, you know, just like young 13, 14-year-old girls deal with, and, 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 and how she had talked about how this man always would give peppermints to the little kids, <clears throat> but one day he gave her a peppermint, you know, and then she walked away, here, no, take another one, and what it just spoke to her, just some simple little act. But it just spoke to her that she had value, that she had worth. And so they began to talk about that. And, and I even saw it lived out when I visited him. He was more concerned for me than I was there, seeming like I was concerned for him. He just was so um, I'm wanting to watch out for myself, you know. And um, it's just such a, a sweet man. But here's the thing I want you to see that I thought was amazing. Many of you don't know Mike Rainwater. Some of you don't, but some of you do. Man, what an amazing man Mike is, you know. And, and here's what's neat about his daddy. That Sunday morning of June 21st, that night he passed away, but that morning he woke up, and when he woke up, he felt extra energy that day. He felt an extra surge that day. He, he, and, and you know what? He could have done anything that day, feeling good. He could have went fishing. He could have played on some, some vehicle, worked on a car. He could have, you know, because that was some of his loves. He could have done a lot of stuff, but on that morning, he wanted to be in the house of the Lord. He just, that's where he wanted to be. And it was a blessing to that congregation to see him come in because he'd been ailing really. That, that connected to the house of the Lord. And, and there were things in Daddy Rainwater's life that, that connected to Mike. And those things connected to Mike, but not only that, they connected Mike to the things of God, the greater things of God. And so if you know Mike, you can see that character of concern for others. You can see that passion for the house. You can see 
that, that servant's heart, you know, because his daddy carried that into him. And, and yes, at 73 years old, he went to be with Jesus, but that man, he wanted life and legacy. And we were able to celebrate that day, that whole time. And I just thought it was so appropriate that the day he went on to glory was the evening after. That, that night, that morning, he was in the house of the Lord. And that night, he was around the throne room of God. Give God some praise. Amen? It just wasn't lost on us. How many, how many here, you've had a loved one pass in the last, let's say, three years? Yeah, yeah. It's just not lost on us, you know? Even longer, but I'm just saying that those, those emotions, those, you, you know what they deposited in you. And a list, like we read that little list, it doesn't do it justice at all unless you know the stories. Unless you get in and dive in and figure out what's going on. And so the, the, the game that we're looking at today is Connect Four. How many ever played Connect Four? Yeah, yeah. So you drop in those four things, and when they line up, you win, Right? I'm going to give you four things today that when you drop these into your life and into the life of your family, your family has that opportunity to win at life and legacy. These are four things that you need to put into play if you're going to connect yourself and your family to what it takes to win at life and legacy. Four things that connect you to the greater things of God. And isn't that what every parent wants anyhow? Is for their children to be connected to greater things? I think right now of my, my, my two nephews, they're both worship pastors. One's a worship pastor in um, a Coweta Assembly of God or Coweta Assembly of God. They say it different in Tulsa, um, outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the other one just was brought on here pretty soon to go somewhere else. And um, I just say all that to say when it comes to that, man, their family sewed in. And they're walking in a level of ministry that, that never, we never thought possible. Opportunities and in, in, in places. And, and Why? Because their mom and daddy lived a life of legacy before them, you know? I just say all that with the intention that we want better things for our kids, you know? My daughter, Allie, graduates from college this year. She'll be like 22, 23 years old when she graduates from college. I was like 29. I know it's hard for you to believe. It took me a while. I'm a little bit ADD. I would start and stop and start and stop. You know, I want better to connect them to. There is another list in Hebrew that he ever did. And so these greater things we want to connect them to, there is another list in Hebrews. And in Hebrews, this list we call the Hall of Fame. And it throws some clues to us about what it takes to win at life and legacy. And turn your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 11. And this passage of scripture, we're not going to read through the whole thing. It is talking about people of faith like David that slayed a giant, a Goliath, you know. It's talking about people of faith like Samson who was able to destroy a lion and destroy the Philistines, you know. I mean, you go through the list and there's so many Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were able to get through the fiery flames. But that's not where my attention and focus goes to. My attention and focus goes to the fathers and the mothers, my attention and focus goes to the ones celebrated. And as we look at these, they're celebrated why? They're celebrated not because of some great task or deed that they accomplished. They're celebrated for what they left for their families. Is that neat? Better than slaying a giant? You know, better than destroying a, a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass? Better than all of that. What they did for their families. And the first one that we get to look at is a prostitute by the name of Rahab. Isn't that awesome? 
Yeah, it is. You remember hearing about her just a little bit ago when we looked at Matthew chapter 1. She was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Man, come on. I love it. That blesses my heart. It just shows us that, that anyone God can use and turn their family around to produce a legacy through the power of Jesus. Amen. Let's look what it says. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And I love Christianity. Can I tell you why I love Christianity? We don't hide our flaws. Oh, we learn to do that, but our Bible doesn't do that. Amen? Our church culture teaches us to do that, but our Bible doesn't do that. Our Bible shows a person who says, hey, I was a prostitute, but look what the Lord has done, you know. And I love it because we saw in Jesus' genealogy, it's just Rahab, you know. That we don't see anything about being a prostitute there. Why? Because we also have a Bible that shows us that Jesus redeems to the furthermost, the uttermost. He turns lives around. And who Rahab might have been once, that's not who she finished life as, amen. And so I, I just, it blesses my heart, though, that still when she's honored, they go back to, by faith, Rahab the prostitute. And I just want to let you know, if you're here this morning, and there's things in your life, as I preach about your family having a win in life and legacy, and you're thinking, I cannot hope for that. I can't even believe for that. Pastor, you don't know the stuff my family's been through. You don't know the stuff that I'm going through. You don't know the labels that have been placed upon me and put over my life. You don't know the sin I struggle with. You don't know what I've traded myself for, for lesser things. You don't know. I know I might not know your specific situation, but I know the God that knows you specifically. And He is that God that can turn things around. Amen? Mm, I love that. I love that. So we see here that she welcomes these spies. If you know the story, they're going to go into Jericho. They're spying out the property. They're looking for how, to, how we're going to accomplish this. And, and the, 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 the thing that comes down to it is they, they, she's, she hides these two spies so that the people there in the city wouldn't kill them. She, came, she hides them. Watch this. Before the men lay down, she's like, come up and stay up here. Before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. She was hiding them on the roof. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. I want to make a little parenthetical insert. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. I think the world needs to see more miracles in the church. Amen? Amen. Can I just say that? And, and I know that's not part of this sermon series, but I want it to be a part of our spiritual focus on our needs. Amen? Can we start that now? Can we just, I mean, like, I'm just serious. During this family, can we start the legacy and heritage of healing in the house? Amen? Can we start that now? Amen? She, she was recalling a powerful God. She's recalling. She'd heard tales and stories that this God is the God that released these people from the most world power of the day. The Egyptians, you know? I just want that for this house as well. Parenthetical insert closed. Okay. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. So I love this. She bargains with them in a sense. She could have asked for money. 
Isn't that why a prostitute does what she does anyhow, just to get money? No. There's a whole lot that goes on in that industry. And the most broken in that industry is that person that's having to earn what they're earning on their back, you know? But she could have. You would have thought, hey, that's that. I'm, I bet she's just a money hunger. She, want, she never asked for money. She could have said, hey, when you take me back, you know, and deliver me, give me station, give me a status, give me something. Never asked for that. What'd she want? She wanted her family taken care of. Amen? Deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you'll save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all belong to them. And deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And so they enter into a covenant with her to honor that word. And so the first thing I want to challenge us, if we're going to win and leave a li- win in life and leave a legacy, we've got to connect our families to the house of God. Amen? Amen? Watch this. Behold, at the end of the sermon today, but that cord, when it says tie this scarlet cord, that word tied in the Hebrew, it means nail it down. It doesn't really mean exactly tie. It just means nail that cord down, you know. And so you put this scarlet cord, this tikvah, this, this cord of hope is what it is. You put that in the window and, and let us down and you shall gather into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, blood's on his head. Right? But, but, but those that are here, you know what? Bring them here and they'll be saved, is what he's saying. And, and here's the thing. I believe I can liken that cord to the salvation of Jesus. Amen? But I'll tell you right now, I have no, I don't believe it is too much eisegesis. That's where we read into scripture meaning. But I don't think it's too much eisegesis to say that her house is the house of God. It represents the church. Amen? And many of us want legacy in our family, but we're not committed enough to the house of the Lord to ever see that legacy truly passed down to the next generations because church is optional. Well, pastor, you're just saying that because you want to build the church. You're absolutely right. I am. Why? Because in this house, we can disciple you. And in this house, we can help you and strengthen you and encourage you. And and in this house, you can encourage each other and watch out for each other. And in this house, there are others other than daddy and mommy that can model to your kids following after Jesus. And what that looks like. I talked last week about heritage and how that looked in my life. You know, when I had men in my life that spoke into my life, where did I find those men? In the house of the Lord. Amen? In the house of the Lord. So I believe that points to the idea of the house of God. And Rahab connected her family to the house. And in doing so, she connected her family to salvation. Amen? So I just want us to have a fresh commitment to the house of the Lord. I'm not sure what that looks like for your family on a Sunday morning, but a fresh commitment. Well, well, isn't church just something that was institutionalized by men? Yes, by men led by the Holy Spirit. You're absolutely right. And that's why it says, don't forsake the gathering together of believers. Well, but we can do that in our home. I know we can. We have journey groups. We believe in doing that in our home. But there is something about corporate worship. There's something about that challenge that we have together. There's something about that, this house that your kids need to see. Amen? Amen? 
And so often what we do in, 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 in excess or with moderation, the kids will do in, in excess. And so if we make church attendance moderate, you know, I'm going to come once a month, once every six, smile. Then our kids go excessively with that. Amen? So, smile. It's one of those things where I want today just to be that happy, happy. We're back after summer. You know, and here's the thing about summer. I love that we have summer breaks. And, and I, I'm not against that at all. We need that with our families. Amen? You better have taken your family somewhere. Even if you don't have money, you can go over here to Alatoona Lake and you cannot fish with the best of them. Because there's no fish in that lake. <laughs> They're just not, you know. <clears throat> all right? But, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of years we had no money. Cherokee County is a great place to raise a family broke. It is. There's so many things you can do. I, we just went over and stole from First Baptist all the time. We just used their playground all the time. All the time. Love it, you know. And so, but the house of the Lord, man, it's important. Second thing, let's continue on. The next one that we see is a man by the name of Noah. In verse 7 of, of Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. Why? So he could save the whole world? No, watch. Constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Isn't that awesome? Did something that would bring salvation to his home. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So the second thing, the first is connect your family to the house of God. The second is connect your family to a greater purpose. It wasn't no time before he put nail and hammer in the hands of his boys. Ham, Sham, Japheth, get over here. We're building an ark. What's an ark, Dad? You know what? You're 287 years old. You ought to know what an ark is by now. I'm sorry. That was kind of funny. If you don't think that's funny, I think that's hilarious. I don't know how old they were. I know that, I know that Noah was 500. I do know that. He had 500 candles lit on his birthday cake. That's a big cake. <laughs> So I don't know how old his kids were, but they were grown men, you know. But you know what? If you're still living in my house and you're a grown man, you will work when I tell you to work. So um, just saying, just smile, smile. So, so that's what he did. He said, he said, here, we're building this ark, you know. And those young men, those men, old men, however old they were, they built that ark. I love it, too, when you think of him being 500 years old. You know what that says to us? You're never too old to start building an ark. You're never too old to start building something with purpose that will cause your family to have safety. And you may be here going, Pastor, my kids are grown. I'm an empty nester. And my kids are out of the house. You know what I would say to you? Start building that ark. You will be saved and so shall your household is the promise of the Father. Start building that ark. I, I don't know what that might look like for you, but don't say. That's one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that you've done too much or you don't have enough time. You've, you've gone too long. You've went too far. He loves those lies. You have never done too much. Rahab shows us that. And Noah shows us that you ain't out of time. Amen? I don't care if you're 72 and your little baby is, is 51. You're still not out of time. Start building an ark. Connect your family to that greater purpose. And so I do want to speak to that. Connecting your children and ark building is a huge way to leave a lasting legacy. That idea of bringing your kids along in the work of serving others will shape them for life. That cause of God, that cause of Christ, serving for a purpose has got to be at the center of your family. If it is, it will forever be in the heart of your children. 
I can remember when we were at the movie theater. You know, I'll for the back. When we were at the coffee shop, and Grant was three, and Auburn was six, I think she was, and, and Addie was about eight or nine. You know, we had boxes we had a, to, on wheels that we had to carry into the coffee shop. And, and Grant schlepping his little box right into the coffee shop, you know. And you know what? In the second service today, he'll be back here serving as well. And, and maybe some of that is compulsory. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I heard a man named Joshua say this. And so as for me and my house, now when you're not in my house, you can do whatever you want. But when you're in my house, I'm going to work to give you a taste for the kingdom. Amen. Now, pastor, are, like, like, so your kids are all controlled? No. I mean, my kids have so much freedom and so much liberty and so much. They're working out their own salvation, especially my older ones, you know. I've I, I, I planted in them this ethos and now it's theirs to live out but I had to have that responsibility and the thing is it's not because I'm a pastor if I would have grown up to be a plumber like I was at 19 years old when I went into ministry it would still be the same today I would just be a preaching plumber preaching to my kids and preaching to whoever I could come in contact with and serving and and, and I see people like that here you guys ah I get choked up there's people here that I might get to preach up here, but the anointing you carry, I'm jealous of. You know, the ministry that's in you and the effect you have on lives, come on. God bless you, you know. Hmm. <clears throat> Connecting to a greater purpose is so important. And, and you, don't, you don't connect to that greater purpose with God all willy-nilly. Everybody say willy-nilly. You know what I mean? Like, like, like all just happenstance and, and circumstantial. No, no, there's specifics. When it came to building the ark, that ark was going to be super feet wide, so many feet long. It was going to have three decks, not four, because if it had four decks, it would tip over. You know, So it was established very specific in the details of how to build that. And I'm going to tell you right now, neither will you throw together a legacy. You will not throw together a legacy. It will not be built by chance. It will be built by the purpose of God. It'll be built when you connect your family to a greater purpose. One of the ways that you can do that is they were building this ark. One of the ways that they showed the very great purpose of God was that the ark was pitched on the outside and the inside, right? So the ark had tar both on the outside and the inside to keep it impervious to rain. That, that's how the ark went to the waters. That's how the ark was made. And so I want to challenge us. If we're going to have a, a win for our life and our legacy when it comes to our kids, you need to be pitched privately with what you've been pitched publicly. You need to be pitched on the inside with what you uh, show that were pitched publicly on the outside. Does that make sense? In other words, let's be pitched on Monday and not just pitched on Sunday. You're right. Sometimes there is a disconnect with our families and our kids when what we do on Sunday doesn't look like Monday through Saturday. We've got to be pitched both on the inside. In other words, covered on the inside. I'm not going to just pray on, on Sunday and never go to God in prayer the rest of the week. I'm not just going to open this word on Sunday. I want my kids seeing mom and daddy with the word open in our laps. Amen? Monday through. I want that. And, and, and that's something that has that lasting effect on your kids. Don't just be pitched on, Monday, on Sunday. 
publicly and forget that daily pitching privately in your life that your kids see. That right there, that's that greater purpose, that greater call. That's the thing that's causing them to see the reality of faith in God. And guess what? It's building an ark of safety for your kids. Is that neat? Because can I tell you something right now? Your kids, your kids are going to face a storm. Right? You better have taught them how to build an ark. Their faith is going to hit a Babylon. Their genealogy or their lineage is going to hit a Babylon. There's going to come a moment of, of where you feel de deported, separated from God's best for a season. How many ever felt like the ceiling of heaven was brass? You know, you're praying, it's just, it's just brass. You can't get through, you know. There's going to come a time like that. That's just every one of us. But you know what? In that storm, if they've seen you publicly and privately living this out, pitching, covering your heart with the things of the Lord, if they're seeing that, Guess what will happen? They, they see your life not being willy-nilly, not just going about it, you, but you're specific in your walk with the Lord, and, and you're specific in how you serve His purpose and His calling, you know? You're helping others into the ark of safety. If they see that, when the storms come, that ark will ride out every storm. Amen? And again, I'm not promising your kids won't go through stuff. And, and I say kids, and some of you might say, well, this whole series isn't for me. Yes, it is, because you're a kid. Right? Or you're going to have a kid. Right? Every one of us fall in, this, in a lineage of something. And, so, and also, you have spiritual kids. It may be for you, you're saying, hey, I don't have children yet. But for my friends, my core of friends, I'm going to get them to the house of the Lord. You see those cards sitting on the seat? I'm going to take those with me to this today. Grab that card, everybody. Grab, I'm going to take that card with me. And I'm going to bring a friend to the house of the Lord next week. Amen? I'm going to invite them to come next week. Just that, that idea that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go through life by chance. I'm going to create and produce the purpose of God. I'm going to serve the purpose of God. And when the storms come, God will carry me through. In other words, build something in your family that will carry them through the storm. Are you doing that? Amen? Amen? The next one we're going to look at real quick is the story of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Let me stop there. It wasn't the faith of Moses. He was hidden by faith, by his mom and his dad. You see that? We celebrate Moses. No, no, we need to celebrate the parents in this story because they saw that the child was beautiful, much like my parents did with me. <laughs> and actually, when I was born... My dad, true story, he was like, surely something's wrong with him. He's so ugly. That's what he said. That's what he said. I have nothing to that. There's nothing spiritual about that. It's just, I just had to grow all these years and prove my dad wrong. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> because they saw all the children, all the children of, of the Jews, all these boys, he's going to kill them. And so there's an edict by a foreign ruler that says, this is what you have to do. And they said, no, it's not. This is how you have to live. You're in the world. You know this is how you have to live your life. These are the convictions you need to follow. This is what is mandated by just normalcy, by cultural norms. You know what? This is, you just have to settle for that. No, you do not. You're the righteousness of God. Amen. And so she hid that child. She wasn't afraid of the king's edict. And by faith, Moses, when he grew up, 
He refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So that third thing, you ready for this? We're connecting our kids to the house of God. We're connecting our kids to the purpose of God. But we're also connecting our kids to the convictions of God, to godly convictions. Well, how do you get that? That decree went forth. Everybody should just follow that decree. No, no, no. They did not agree to turn their child over, but instead they hid him. They hid him. And when they could not hide him, then they put him in bulrushes and they set him into the river. And God's sovereignty took place in that boy's life. And God took care of that boy. Amen? But there's a season where we need to hide our children. I, I'm going to trust the sovereignty of God will kick in the lives of my children. You know? But right now, it's my job to hide my children. It's my job. That means that there's things that, that we're not going to let them watch. You know, just recently there was something that one of my kids wanted to watch and asked me about it. Boom, pull up the parent thing. No, but I'm this age. I don't care. But I'm married. I don't care. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't Adelie. But still, you know, and it wasn't because the kid had a bad heart at all. It's just this is what friends are wanting to watch. Well, you know what? Go live with your friends. Then you can watch whatever you want. But when you're here, you're not going to watch that, you know. There was some things in it that just... Isn't God honoring? Amen? Amen? Say amen. You know when a preacher goes, amen? Amen? He's looking for an amen. That's what he's looking for. So Moses' his mom and dad, they rebelled against that decree of the land. And they hid their child. And you've got to hide your child from the world. And you may say, but pastor, we're in the world. If we just hide them and isolate them, they'll never understand. I do get that. And there came a moment when she put him in the river and she let him go. But there was a lot of time there that she's trying to hide that baby. And I feel like for us, at times, we don't hide our children well enough when it comes to godly convictions. Eventually, they will be surrounded by the world. Eventually. But right now, I want to hide them some. I want to hide them in their youth. I want to hide them a little bit. You know, and obviously, we, 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 we teach into that. Obviously, we're, we're in this world and not of it. Because I can't hide them forever. There came a point when she had to release them into the Egyptian system. But she wrapped them in bulrushes, and then she sent them away. And, and I heard someone say that bulrushes, that Crocodiles are allergic to that. They're allergic, like, like that was a protection around him so that a crocodile would not eat him. I thought that was pretty awesome. You know what demonic spirits are allergic to? Prayer of the saints. Amen? So you cover that kid in prayer. You wrap that kid up in prayer. And then there comes a point when you do, you need to let that child go on. You know? I even started seeing that with, with um, 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 Adelie and, and Zach, you know. A few months before they got married, there was little things, little thoughts, little things that Addie was asking me for my opinion. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to live that opinion out. I'm not going to be your husband. So that's a decision you and Zach are going to have to make. You, know, you guys talk about it. You know, there's things like that. You know, there's a point when you start to release them to their decisions and such. But, but then there's a moment when they're still in your home that you're, you're there to protect them and help them understand godly convictions. What's so neat about this is when you see Moses, he went on. Uh, was received by the Pharaoh's daughter, was raised by her, but God in his sovereignty allowed that mom to be the one that nursed him, allowed that mom to be the one that spoke into him, allowed this, this, this Hebrew girl that was actually the mother of Moses, the Pharaoh's daughter didn't know, but continue. And I have a feeling that every time she was with Moses, she would look at him and say, you're the righteousness of God. 
You're the, you know, she would speak life to him. She, you know who you are? God is one God. We serve one God. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.